Well, this is Tuesday night. Are you all having a good time so far? Yeah! I know you're getting tired, but you're just going to have to deal with it because we got tonight and we got all day tomorrow and they're going to have a lot of more fun things that we can do. Now, in the morning, I will give you tonight before we leave, Carolyn and I will give you the Bible, Bible Bob verse and we will be in there during uh, breakfast and if you have your verse memorized, then you come and find us. If you're in the Timothy group, you go to Carolyn. If you're in the high school group, then you come to me. And uh, we'll just uh, uh, have a good time and we'll finish out everything. Uh, there'll be no more sword drills. Everything is done now. Everybody got something. That's all I care about. And uh, other than uh, the verses in the morning, that'll pretty much wrap it up. But uh, you remember that last night, we started to look at at the life of Daniel and to lay out all the key areas of his life uh, and the situation that he found himself in. And for all of us, I don't care if you're just a, a, a kid or you're an adult, whatever the case, however old you are, this story is a great one to see how that we too uh, can survive the world system. Uh, this week, uh, I told you this, one of my goals is to help you to change some things in your life. First of all, we talked about, I want you to see how important it is that you begin to make the right choices, good choices. I want you then to begin to see that how important it is of who you associate with, or maybe I should say who you don't associate with. And then I want to talk about this week, how that we change the way that you look at things, the way you think, the thinking patterns, the thinking process that we bring into our lives. And I wanted to really focus on this week, uh, the fourth thing was for you to understand to get the most out of everything uh, that God has for you. It's just like this camp. I, I, I do all that I do. We do all that we do because we want you to go home getting the most out of this camp. Not only with just having fun, but in the Word of God and uh, everything that God wants to give us. And then lastly, we want to learn from our mistakes. You know, it's a thing where uh, somebody said one time when you, when you, life is like a, when life goes sour, it's like a lemon. And if you ever just took a lemon and sucked on it, it's very sour and it's terrible. And uh, somebody said one time that life is like, a, bad things in life is like a lemon. But a smart Christian will learn how to take that lemon and turn it into lemonade. And that's exactly what you do with your mistakes. You use them as teaching tools. And I said it last night. If you will learn now when you're young to learn from your mistakes, you will never have the mistakes 10 years from now that will ruin the rest of your life. If you start now. Now we all know that the theme this week has been dare to be a Daniel. And uh, I, I have hit that every night. We'll hit it tonight and then hit it tomorrow night. You all are familiar with this. In the public school system, which probably most of you go to, uh, you have what they call their a D.A.R.E. program. And that D.A.R.E. program uh, is there to uh, help kids to stay away from drugs, stay away from all the areas that will hurt them. Most schools have what we call a D.A.R.E. officer. They call him a resource officer. And uh, uh, he's there to help you. He's there to make sure that he kind of polices things, that, that uh, if you, in a time of need, you have something that you need, he's there, he's there to help you. I think that's really good. But I want you to understand that uh, as good as that may be, our church has the real D.A.R.E. program. And the real D.A.R.E. program isn't about a police officer, resource officer uh, monitoring you. It's about you dare to be a Daniel, putting those things in your life that uh, will automatically change the things about you. And at the same time, I have a church full of resource officers. I have men and women. They're here this week. Your counselors. Uh, the staff, the men who are, and women who are in the kitchen are doing everything that needs to be done, who you have everything you need to help you. Every resource that you could ever want, 
from a Bible perspective, is right here at your fingertips. And last night, I showed you the overall attack and the overall plan of the devil as he comes into your life. And I showed you beginning through the story of Daniel when he is taken down to Babylon. We jumped over to Ephesians for a little bit, and we talked about you taking your stand against the wiles of the devil. And I told you that the word wiles means crafty. It means subtle. It means something that is camouflaged to look one way, but in reality, uh, it, it's really something else. And I told you how that in your life, the devil's end game is simple. It's to get you to take a stand for him instead of taking a stand for God. That's really all the story of Daniel is about. There's a lot of things that we're going to look at that the devil is going to do under the category of his wiles, but that's the bottom line. If you're saved tonight, in a spiritual sense, you are a child of the king. Daniel, as I told you this, was of the king's seed physically. And the Bible says that, uh, uh, that he has the ability to stand before God. So do you. The Bible says that uh, he was something special. So are you. The Bible says that God had a plan for him. And if you follow through Daniel's life through the rest of the book, you see that God had something incredible for him that he wanted to do through him to bring about the coming of Christ some, what, 600 years later. And God says something special for you. You don't see it yet, probably most of you. One, a mark of a good pastor is when he has people in his church that get saved or they come in and they begin to grow. He sees in them the potential that they don't necessarily see in themselves. And right now, you're, you're in the springtime of your life. Right now, you're just kids but God's got a great future for you. He's got something that he wants to accomplish with you. You're something special to God. Every one of you. And God sees in you right now what many of you, if not most of you, cannot see for yourself. And my job and Herb's job and your counselor's job is to help you see that this week. And tonight I want to look at the next area laid out for us in Daniel's life. And how when the evil day does come, <coughs> how that you and I can withstand it. But in most of your lives, as you already know, it's already here. And now we've got to do all to withstand in that evil day. And then, uh, you know, you want to remember the devil always going to go after the best. And you are the best. You're, the, you're, you're at the greatest time in your life. Your minds are faster and quicker. Your bodies are beginning to develop. You've got everything going for you. You're at the prime of your life as a young person that's going to blossom very quickly into an adult. And this is what God sees. This is what God understands. That's why the Bible says, train up a child, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And if you don't train up a child, he will depart from it. And it's a thing where this is where you're at. This is my burden for you this week. This is my goal for every one of you. And I know I'm talking to 70, 80 people out here. But the Holy Spirit of God is talking to you as individuals. And you might as well understand that when God sees the potential in you, believe me. So does the devil. And he's out to stop you. Every one of you. Every one of you. He wants to keep you from ever being what God wants you to be. And for many of you, no, for all of you, this week will be a defining moment in your life. One way or the other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. We love you. We thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. We thank you for 
your hand of protection uh, this week. We thank you for uh, the kids that came forward last night to make their decisions. And Lord, I thank you for the hard work of the staff here, the cooks, the nurses, the counselors, everybody who's put in their life this week to help these kids get what the Word of God wants for them to have. Thank you, Father, for tonight as we ongoing looking in the life of Daniel. Help these kids to realize and understand how important it is. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name for the sake we ask it. Amen. Now turn over to Daniel chapter 1. And uh, let's pick it up again uh, in verses 3. We're going to read verse 3, 4, and 5. Daniel chapter 1. Give you a chance to get there. And the king spake unto Aspenes, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom there was no blemish but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, of whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now we looked at this, and I showed you again how these children are in the, of the king's seed, physically. They're the best Israel had. And in their line, physical line, is coming the line of Christ. Christ, when he is born, is going to come through the line of Daniel. And the devil sees now that if he can stop that line, Christ will never show up. And in a spiritual sense, you're a child of the king. I know you're young yet. I know you're not married yet. I know you're not even most of you are looking for a wife or a husband yet. And yet, I'm telling you, in time, you're going to get married. In time, you're going to have kids. And what you do with God this week could very well be the difference of whether your seed spiritually goes on. Hey, I've seen moms and dads. I've seen preachers who were great preachers and, and, and moms and dads who were truly saved. But they never transposed it into their kids. And then two or three generations later, those kids knew nothing about God. It's done. It's over. And you don't want that to happen in your life. You want to have God use you. You want to be like that tree that is planted by the river of waters that bringeth forth its fruit in the season. You want God to use you. You want your children and your children's children to go on. And my family, I thank God for it every day. I'm in the third generation of my family. And they all love God. They're all serving God. They're all saved. And I feel very confident that, that when, when if, if you guys, you ever going to get married? Where's, where's Maddie at? You going to get married someday? Where's Macy at? Macy, you got, where's Macy? You going to get married someday? Well, Macy's line stopped right there, that, as far as the God's concerned. I have every confidence in the world that when you have kids, you're going to you know what God's going to do now? He's going to give you quintuplets. No. I don't know what quintuplets are, but. Uh, and I'm telling you, I have every confidence in the world that your kids will carry on and be what God wants them to be. That's what I'm talking about for you. You're standing right now at the threshold of your opening of your life that God will take you and use you and then your spouse and then your children and their children and their children and their children. The unbroken chain of the heritage of God in your family taking it to the ends of the earth. I'm telling you, it's a, there's a lot on the line this week. More than just all that. And I love this. I don't know what's wrong with Bravo, but I love this. But that means nothing compared to the scoreboard of life. What God wants to do in your life. And then he says this. 
Verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. The thing I want you to see tonight is when the devil wanted to get them to stand before him, he took the children of God and then he appointed a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank. Now the reason for all this is that at the end of three years, they'll be ready to stand before the king of Babylon. Now what we have here is an incredible picture of what the world, the flesh, and the devil wants to accomplish in your life. A daily portion served up to you of the filth of this world. Every day of your life on a silver platter right in front of you. You see it every day of your life. You see it in school. You see it with your friends. You see it in the world around you. A daily proportion every day that the devil, like Nebuchadnezzar had for them, the devil's got for you. And he wants you to partake in it. He wants you to devour it. He wants you to ingest it. Now the meat here and the drink will all be part of the Babylonian world system. All of this meat, all of this drink, everything in this daily portion had already been dedicated to the gods of Babylon. It wasn't anything to do with God. It was all dedicated to their false gods, and now he's serving it up to the king's children. He's serving it up to Daniel and the Hebrew children, the king's seed, that they, after three years of this filth, eating everything, seeing everything, hearing everything, partaking of everything, then they will be ready to stand before the world. And Daniel knows this. And Daniel wants no part of it. Daniel has set some boundaries in his life. And he chooses to reject what the world has for him and to stay with what God has for him. Oh, I can't, I can't impress that upon you enough tonight. He chose to reject the daily portion of the devil and the world and decided he was going to stay with the word of God. He won't get out of bounds. Now, most of you know this, you older kids, meat in the Bible is a picture of doctrine. We know that. And wine in the Bible is a picture of Christ's blood or the Lord's Supper. And it shows us that this is what the devil does. He'll take the things of God and then change the value system of it. He'll take the things of God and then he'll make it connected to the world. You see this in churches today. When they take communion, there's actually churches who use fermented alcohol for in the, in the Lord's communion service. That is the most blasphemous thing you could ever do. Because in the Bible you find there's God's wine and there's a devil's wine. How it must just anger God that his people in his church are drinking his death out of the devil's cup. That's what the world does. It wants you to get you to believe that a little bit is okay. It wants to get you to believe that you can do this and you'll be all right. It wants to get you to believe that you can, you can go here or you can think this or you can look at that or you can watch this and it'll be okay. That's the daily portion he has for you. And every man and woman who, when they hit 40, 50, 60 years old, and now they look at their life and they have absolutely nothing of God in their life. And boy, they're out there. They go their whole life, and now they're 50, 60, 70 years old, and they're facing the end of their lives, and they look back, and there's absolutely nothing that they have done for God. You know what? It all starts right here in your life right now tonight. This is where it starts. The wisest men that ever lived, said in Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh. 
when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in him. What a great lesson. He's got a, he's got a daily portion that he gives them every day for three years. You ever stop and realize that that's almost the exact same time it took the Lord to train his apostles before he went back to heaven? You give me a kid, any kid. You give me his undivided attention. You give me somebody like some of you, some of you young guys and gals that are in my ministry, and you want the Bible, you want to learn the Bible, you can't get enough of it. You give me your undivided attention in three years' time, I'll have you solid in the Word of God. But I'll tell you this. You let the devil have you for three years in your daily portion? And after those three years, you'll be like Ecclesiastes. You'll come to the place where you have, when it comes to God, you'll have no pleasure in them anymore. And you'll be on your way. And nobody will touch you. You go to a camp, and I pray to God there's nobody here like that this week, but there, there could be somebody in this camp that no matter how hard I preach, he preached what we did, what the counselors did, it isn't going to touch you. You know why? You've already made your choice. You've had an extra helping of the devil's portion. And that's doing its work on you. And I'm telling you, the battle raging here this week is a battle for your mind. And in some cases, as we saw last night, it's a battle for your soul. And you have to make a choice. And you can't get around it. There's no way that you're going to just leave camp and say, oh, I'm not making a choice in any way. No, no, you just made your choice. You just made your choice. I mean, it's just that simple. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, we see how subtle that it all is. But then the wiles of the devil always is. And this is how the world will get you to make the wrong choices. I mean, it's just that simple. Now, this is what the world does. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Look at that with me for a moment. It's a great, it's a great analogy of what's going on in your life right now. This shows you the very slow, subtle process that the devil will use in your life that is so slow. I, I had a biology teacher one time years ago, and he was using the thing of how if you took a frog and you got a pan of boiling water, and you throw the frog in the boiling water, he'll jump right out. But if you take that same pot of water, put the frog in it, he's swimming around, and then turn the, turn the heat on and let it burn, he, 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 it'll overtake him before he even knows it. That's what the devil wants for you. He's not going to hit you with some, some terrible thing. He's going to turn it on real slow. And Psalms chapter 1 shows you that process. Now, the Bible says that we'd be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, now I'm going to show you one of the wiles. So you should be smarter after this. You should understand now. He says this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now look at that. I've seen this so many times over the years. You see, you need to walk with God. But when you quit walking with God, then you're going to start walking with the world. We get this idea that there's some neutral ground with God. I ask people sometimes, where are you at with the Lord? And they'll say, well, you know, Bob, I'm not exactly in fellowship with him, but I'm, I'm not exactly out of fellowship with him either. That's in your brain. Look, either you're on board with him tonight 100% or you're not. There's no middle ground. You aren't halfway in and halfway out. You're either walking in the light or you're walking in the darkness. There's no, <laughs> there's no twilight in Christianity. And when you quit walking with him, immediately, 
I love the progression here. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You see, this is what happens. Association. People you hang out with. People you need to be careful who you hang out with. Because once you start walking with God, you start walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You see the word counsel? They're giving you advice now. They're counseling you. They're telling you about this. They're telling you about that. Well, I don't believe what the preacher says. I don't believe what Bob says. They're, they're counseling, and you're walking with them. That's the first subtlety of his wiles. He gets you to quit walking with him, and you start walking with the ungodly. Now, look at this thing. You're walking along, and they're giving you counsel, and you're just listening to that, and you're soaking it all up. And then the next thing says standeth in the way of sinners. Now you stop walking. And you know what happens? When we're walking along and I'm talking to you about something and I really make a point, you stop and you look at me because you don't want to miss what I'm saying. That's what we got here. You've been walking along and finally you now you stop and you stand. Notice what it says. In the way of sinners. Now you're walking and standing and going their way, not God's way. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners. Oh, look at the next progression. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now you're not walking with them. You're not even standing and listening to them. Now you're sitting in among them, and you're just as scornful about the things of God as they are. You put that in your life for three years, you're done. You're gone. I've lost so many people over the years out of that thing right there. They start to get somebody with somebody that's disgruntled about something. They start painting it a black picture, talking about this and talking about that. They start walking with them, and then they stop standing, and they start going their way. And the next thing you know, somebody who once loved God, loved the church, loved everything about it, is now scornful about it. And you are just like that frog in the pan of water. You're just floating around in life, having a good time, and you're not seeing the guy just turn it up to 212 degrees. And you're in there swimming around, and you're saying, oh, it's getting kind of warm in here. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's getting really hot in here. And the next thing you know, you're fried frog legs on somebody's plate. It's so subtle. You see, it'd be one thing if he just come down with a big banner and marched up and down the place and say, everybody that wants to walk with Satan and be with me, get in behind me. Nobody do that. But the way he does it, a lot of God's people are on board with it. Oh, yeah. Now, the key to that, verse 2, is, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, I found that you can tell a lot about a person, what delights them. I'm not against sports. I think sports are great. I don't know much about it, but I, I, it's a thing where I don't have a problem with people. Some guys like baseball. Some guys like football. Some like guys like to play golf. Some guys like NASCAR racing. Some guys like um, skiing. Some guys like all that stuff. I don't have a problem with it. There's a lot of things that I like in life. And there's a lot of things I enjoy in life. But may I be honest, there's only one thing I really delight myself in in life. It's the Word of God. The rest of it is just filler till Jesus comes. But that's my delight. That's, that's where your delight ought to be. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night. What do you meditate about all day long? What do you think about? Oh, I know. You're young. I get it. I, I understand. But this is where you develop good habits in your life to make good choices. And my goal for you when you leave here is you'll start to delight yourself with the things of God. Because you have everything that you need. Everything that you need right here this week to make it. I mean, it's just that simple. 
There's no reason for anybody to leave this camp and go back to the world. Unless you already got in your mind that that's where you're headed. And he should be like a tree planted by the river of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I talked about those four seasons the other night. You're in the springtime right now. Summer's coming on for you. And then when you get to be older, you get into the summertime of life, and then you get into the autumn of life, and then you get where we're at, and you're into the wintertime of your life. And things are almost over. But guys, gals, listen to me. Apple trees don't produce apples in February. There's a season to your fruit bearing. God knows it, I know it, and the devil knows it. Jesus walked out one time and he saw a fig tree. That fig tree was a representation of the nation of Israel who is to bear fruit for God. And it was barren. And you know what he did? He cursed the fig tree. I wonder what kind of tree we look like when Jesus looks at us. I've known God's people. I've known them that they were deacons. I've known them that they were Christians that were saved for years and years and years. They've been in church for years and years and years. They even had the right Bible. But at the end of the day, they never bore any fruit. You don't want to find yourself in that situation. You have, again, at your fingertips today, everything that you need. And right now in your life is where it will get canceled because the devil's got a daily portion of the king's meat that he wants to serve you every day of your life. Just like he did Daniel. And you know what Daniel said? Daniel said, oh no, thank you. And the Bible says in verse 8 that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. That's what it's going to take for you. It's going to take this week a change in your attitude, a change in your heart, a change in your purpose. And you're going to have to realize as Daniel purposed in his heart, you're going to have to purpose in you. You've heard me say this many, many times. All history is nothing more than God moving in a direction and the devil moving to counter God's move. And it will be the same thing in your life. Right now, this week, God will move toward you. He'll use the counselors. He'll use the preaching. He'll use everything that uh, he has available to try to reach you. And your counselors will, in your devotions and everything that we're doing, God will try to speak to you. And the devil's going to try to move against you. And you know what? It's your choice who wins out in your life. And as I said, every man, 40, 50, 60, that has nothing to do with God anymore, it all starts right here. And the Bible says that the king appointed a daily provision for them for three years. And I told you, you give me you guys for three years, the guys that, and gals that are a part of my ministry, they're invaluable to what I do. In three years' time, you give me your undivided attention, and I'll have you hitting on all eight cylinders with the Word of God. You have everything you need, kids. Look around you for a moment. All the single counselors that are here, all the staff, all the couples, all the older folks who, who work here this week. Some of them are in the kitchen. Some of them are manning the nursing table station. Some of them are counselors. Some of them are out there putting up the obstacle course. Do you think they're here by accident? No, they chose to be here. Now, why did they choose to be here? It's hot, it's rained, it's muggy, there's bugs. Why in the world do you don't get to sleep real good at night? I'll tell you why they're here. Some of them have already came to me and said this. 
some have come this week and you said, Bob, I'm glad I'm here because it was just a couple of years ago in my own life that I was at camp and this is where I got saved. This is where God started it in my life. Some of it was three years ago, some of it was two years ago, some of it was four years ago, but this is where I got saved. I've told you before, my ministry started at a camp just like this. Danny got saved at one of my camps years and years and years ago, and now here he is today. And, and those people around you tonight that you know as your friends and counselors, hey, they had to make the same choice you got to make. Yes, I lost some of them along the way. Sure I did. But these folks are here for you. They rejected, like Daniel, the world's daily portion. And they stand today. Hey, they're human. They have issues just like you do. They have problems just like you do. They're faced with the same crap that you're faced with every day of your life. They have learned to take their stand. And they're not going to be enticed by the wiles of the devil. They're really not. And it's a thing where, you know, (laughs) they'll get the job done. They rejected the world's portion and they took their stand from God and his word. You know, back in the Bible, I've always, I've never had a problem. A lot of guys have an issue with this today. But I've, I've always never been able to separate being a Christian from a, a, a being an army and being a, a militant organization. You know, in the Bible, you have the churches in two functions. You have the church triumphant, not the church that goes up to heaven, but you have the church militant. That's down here in the fight every day. And I always learned it. You know, I'm a military guy. You know, I, 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 I like the discipline. I like the structure. I like the fact that, uh, you know, and that's why we play like things last night with the airborne songs that we used to sing as we run and all those things. And, but honestly, I look at you, my older guys and gals, when I train you, I look at you just like they looked at you at Fort Campbell or Fort Bragg or Fort Benning, Georgia. Soldiers, you're just in a different army. And I, I've, always, I've always thought that Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, was the captain of my salvation. I've always believed that I, as a Christian, is the doer hardness of a good soldier, Jesus Christ. You see, the problem with God's army today, we've got too many deserters. And then if they stayed in, we got too many conscientious objectors. We need some warriors. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is back there in 2 Samuel chapter 23 where you find the story of David's mighty men of valor. I have read that thing so many times. I've played that over in my mind so many times. I've watched that thing and I've studied it out so many different ways and times. And there was, David was, a, was the captain back then of the, of, of the Lord's army back then. And he, he was a great captain. And the soldiers that were under him, uh, there was a special group of them. And in the Bible, they're called David's mighty men of valor. You had to go back to 2 Samuel 23 sometime and look at what these guys did. But you know, in every army, it's the same way. You have your everyday Guys who get into the army, they got drafted, you know, you don't have a draft anymore, but back in my day, you got drafted. And then you had the guys who signed up and volunteered. They were a little bit up. The guys that got drafted didn't want to be there. The guys that volunteered, they did want to be there. But then with any army, you got the elite group. You got the Marine Force Recons. You got the Navy SEALs. You got the British Commandos. You got the American Special Forces. You've got guys who want to be above the average soldier. They're dedicated to what they do. They're the best at what they do. I was watching a movie the other night, a documentary on, on I'm going to show it to you kids sometime, but it was on, it's called The Raid on Entebbe. And what happened back in the 70s is some Palestinians hijacked a plane, flew it down into Uganda, where Adi Amin was. And they sent all of the uh, 
everybody but the Jews. There was like 224 Jews. And they made demands that if they didn't get the demands made, they were going to execute these Jews. And they were going to do it. Now, Israel is 12 hours away by plane. They got them locked up with guards all around. And, uh, and Israel's not going to negotiate with terrorists. You know what they did? And I'll tell you right now, the Israeli commandos are the best commandos in the world. They put together a plan where they had three or four C-130s filled up with commandos, a tack plane that was giving them all kinds of clearance and watching the skies, and they flew 300 feet off the ground for 12 hours, landed at the air base in Uganda in pitch black darkness, taxied over, Adiyam Min would show up every once in a while. He was a real dictator. And he'd drive a big old Mercedes Benz and he'd strut around. So they got a Mercedes Benz, stuck it on one of the C-130s. And then the Mercedes Benz drove up filled with commandos. And when the guys looked at it, the terrorists, they thought, oh, it's Adiyam Min. And boy, well, they got a surprise when they opened up with the Ruzis on them. They rescued every one of those Israelis. A couple of them got killed. They killed every terrorist in the pitch black darkness. No military force in the world could have pulled that off but somebody special. And you know what? God wants you to be special ops. God wants you to be the best of the best. The 82nd Airborne is probably have their rapid deployment group. They can be so trained that they can be dropped anywhere in the world in less than 24 hours to deal with any situation. You know what, how I train you guys? And I've said this before. I train you the exact same way. You know why? Because I want God to be able to drop you in any situation, any place in this world, and have you be able to function. That's the way it is. David's mighty men of valor. And when you study that story back there, you'll find that the three things they had, they had courage. They have loyalty. And they had determination. Nothing was going to stop them. They're the best that they had. And I'm telling you, you are the best that God has. When I look at my singles, I break them down into an Alpha Bravo group in my training with them. And I train them. They get it hard. I don't pull any punches with them. I, they, we have an air of discipline. We follow the lines. We know what's going on. And we know, and I, and I trust them. The, the counselors here this week, I would trust anywhere. I, I, I know I have confidence in them that they, they know what they're doing and I could see God dropping them anywhere and they would function because they know the Bible. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. And you can have that. Why, why are you so satisfied to be nothing for God? It takes courage, determination, Loyalty. Mason, yes, sir. stand up. You woke up tomorrow morning and you've got 10,000 troops around you who are going to massacre you. What are you going to do now? I'm going to kill them all. Going to kill them all. <laughs> That's right. That's my boy. <laughs> Keith, you're surrounded by the hordes of Babylon. They're going to wipe you out. What are you going to do? Kill them all. Going to kill them all? Determination. Now, you just think it's just the guys. No, 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 no. Macy, stand up. You're surrounded by the hordes of hell who are going to take you out tomorrow morning. What are you going to do? I'm going to kill them all, Grandpa. <laughs> and every one of my counselors, Drake, Alex, all of them, all my gals, every one of them, everyone who's there with you, in the back, at the sound table, every one of you, Jamie, every one of you, every one of you, Dylan, every one of you, every one of you, I trust explicitly that if God dropped you someplace, I know you're going to get the job done. You know why? Because you're going to kill them all and let God sort them out. That's why. That's the toughness you got to have, kids. Because he's going to come after you. 
The devil's going to nail you. He's going to try to get you to quit. He's going to try to get you to stop. He's going to intimidate you. He's going to serve up the biggest plate of slop you ever saw in your life. And you're going to have to decide. These guys, Jared, Danny, Erica, Taylor, they've already decided. The Schmidt twins, <laughs> Jesse, Harmonica, back here. All my scorekeepers, they've already decided. There's no question with them. Their only question is with you. It's that simple. What are you going to do? Are you satisfied to be nothing? As a Christian, are you? Are you satisfied to be the best Singer, the best dancer, the best this, the best mechanic, the best telephone repairman, the best cable guy. Got to keep the cable guys. Are you you satisfied with just the mundane things of life? God has something better. He wants the alarm to go off sometime in your life and he wants you to put you on someplace and get you out there and drop you in all by yourself. Just like Daniel. We didn't get all through Daniel, and maybe we'll get, we'll get a lot more tonight, but you realize that Daniel started out a captive, and because he would not defile himself with the king's meat, God raised him up to number three in the whole kingdom. He'll do that with you. He'll do that with you. See, the problem is never God. The problem is us. What are you going to do? And you're the best, as far as I'm concerned. You're the very best. you got everything that God needs. And I'm telling you right now, my goal this week, my goal this week and my prayer for all of you is that this week you make the right choice in all five of those areas. When you leave here, that you're going to start to make the right choices. You're going to have the right people in your life. You're going to change the way you think. You're going to get everything out of everything that you do for God. And you're going to learn from the mistakes that you make. And by the grace of God, three years from now, two years from now, you'll be here in our next camp and you'll be doing what these counselors are doing and you'll be part of my ministry. I've done a lot of camps, kids. There's something special about this camp. Barb and I were talking about it last night. This camp is more different than any camp I've ever done, and I've had a lot of good camps. I told the kids before we came to camp, my workers, my counselors, that the key to camp is keeping the right spirit. There's a spirit in this camp this week that I have never encountered like I've seen it this week. And it's the spirit of kindness. I've never seen a bunch of kids who showed more kindness toward each other and had the right heart attitude toward each other. That little kid last night that went up and got the boots for his grandpa, I, 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 I didn't know what to say about that. I've watched some of you kids win in the sword drill and you'll take somebody else up. Instead of you getting something for yourself, you'll let them get something. I've watched you help kids out there with their memory verses. There's something about this camp that's different. And I've done a lot of camps, and they're, I, all, they've all been good. But this camp has reached a level that I've, I've never seen before. And the spirit in this camp is one of caring and loving for each other, helping each other, being there for each other. And I want to tell you this. The spirit that's in this camp That's 90% of what you got to have to do everything God wants you to do. 
You already got the right heart. You already got the right spirit. Because you know what? You know what the ministry is? The ministry is giving. Giving of yourself. And you guys are already doing that. I mean, you're already 80%, 85% there. All we got to do is give it the end of 15. Get the word of God in you. Get you grounded in it. The attitude and the spirit's already here, man. It's already here. And uh, the spirit that you have of helping, giving, you can't teach that. You can't get that out of a book. You can't even get that out of a verse of the Bible. I know it says that, but that's not just because it says it doesn't make it happen. That happens because God has put it in your heart. It's obvious to me, kids, he's already done a work in most of your lives. You just don't know it. He's already laid the foundation that I was going to build on this week that Jared and Kenzie and Danny and Jamie want to work with when we go back. It's already there. This has been the easiest camp that I've had to preach. We've had nobody kill each other. We've had nobody get in a fight. We've had no girls get their nose bent at a joint because somebody had the same shirt on that she had or whatever the case may be. It's been the most peaceful, loving camp that I've ever been part of. And it's because of you and the counselors. They set the tone of it with their spirit. But all that did was bring out the spirit that was already in you. And it's a good spirit. And I'm telling you, it would be a tragedy. Absolute tragedy. Now let's get real tonight. I need you. Jared needs you. Danny and Jamie need you. You all have what it fundamentally takes to be God's servant and soldier. Now, my invitation to you tonight, last, last night, where my invitation was to, for unsaved people, we had a host of kids that come forward and you guys all work with them. That's not my invitation tonight. My invitation tonight is not only to the kids that are here as campers, it's to every counselor, every staff person, because I know you have issues just like the kids do. And what it's gonna take when we leave here Thursday morning is everybody being on the same page. And I'm asking you to join me tonight. I'm asking you to set the course of your life and your future. I'm asking you to get right tonight in your heart about ministry. I'm asking you to put and come to God and, and make it right, whatever it may be. And, and I'm asking you to make a commitment to him that when we go back, Camp's not going to be over this year. You're going to get with Jared. You're going to get with the Timothy people. You're going to get everything you need because everything is right there. There's no reason for you to get messed up in life. Come on. Join me. Be part of my ministry. Become my co-laborers. Let Jared and, 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 and his crew and Kinsey then go back and teach you and train you. He's got the plan. Danny and Jamie got the plan. If you're out of town someplace and you don't live here, we'll get to you. We'll do it by phone. We'll do it by FaceTime or MySpace or in your face or whatever those things are you guys use. <laughs> but let's get right tonight. Let's get right tonight, no matter what level you're on. You know why? Because then tonight, with your counselors, and then tomorrow, all day long, and tomorrow night, we don't have to work anymore of getting you right. Now we plan on how we're going to keep you going when we get back. We're going to put plans in your life. You counselors are now are going to reinforce in them, I'm here for you. Let's get this going. Let's do this. Let's be part of this. Now you're going to see the real bottom line of this camp isn't me, it isn't him. Obviously, it's the Lord. But the real work's going to get done with the men and women who are your counselors. 
who gave up their lives for a week, who was here several years back, that God did in their life a work that they've never gotten over, and they're here to help you get yours. Dare to be a Daniel. I need you, kids. You see, you look at it one way, I look at the big picture. You look at yourself and you're in the Timothy or you're in the high school, and those guys do a fabulous job. But I look at you as getting grounded with those guys and coming up through the levels that someday you're going to be working side by side with me in ministry, just like your moms and dads are. You're going to transgender up through that. Transgender, yeah, you're going to transgress up through that. Well, we hope you don't transgender, but uh, you know, who knows? You never know. <laughs> you're going to grow to the place in your life where the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that you grow. Everybody quotes it wrong. All the new Bibles got it wrong. They say that we're going to grow up unto him. Uh-uh. It says we're going to grow up into him. And then you're going to be by my side. You're going to be my co-laborers. And we're going to come to camp together. You're going to work with me with couples. You're going to work with me with singles. You're going to be part of my Alpha Bravo groups. You're going to work with me and help me. And I'm telling you, I see the big picture. I don't see you as Timothy kids or high school kids. I see you as kid down the line. When you grow up, you stand by my side in our church. And we do the ministry in people's lives together. Now, here it is. No heads bowed. No eyes closed. Somebody says, you're not going to pray. You know, there's some things you don't need to pray about. Amen. And I'll tell you, serving God is not one of them. Amen. Now, I'm going to be right up here. I've laid my heart out to you. I want to train you and teach you a little bit next week and get you ready as you go back for them to take over. Now I'm asking you, join me. Join me. Step out, come up here, get on your knees with me, and let's take this thing to the Lord. <clears throat> if you're going to be what God wants you to be, and you've got it together. Now, don't you come because everybody else is coming. You come because you're going to make the commitment that you're going to be, come on in here, guys, and get on your knees. You're going to make the commitment that you're going to go back with Jared, Jamie and Danny, Jared and Kenzie, and you're going to, if you can't get on down, just come up as far as you can and hit the deck. And we're going to, we're going to come to the place where we're going back, and camp is not going to end Thursday morning. You got everything you need here. Everything. There's no reason for this church to lose one more kid to the world. I love you guys. I love every one of you. I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have traded this spot of being able to preach to you. And yeah, I could have brought a great preacher in and he'd have done a great job, but he won't love you like I do. He's gonna get on a plane and go back to wherever he's from. I'm not. I'm gonna see you Sunday, Thursday, and everything that we do. You know why? Because we are laborers together. We're a team. And I look at you and I see you in the future. I see in you what you don't see in yourself. I see you standing with me. I see you preaching my church when I'm sick. I see you being able to be sent anywhere to do whatever God wants you to do. But we got to train you. It's going to be easy. You know why? 80% of you, 80% is already there. You got the right heart. You got everything. You got the giving spirit. You love. You help each other. <laughs> That's what the ministry is. Now, God has given you the greatest men and women in the high school class, the greatest men and women in the Timothy classes, that they have everything you need. The problem is not them. The problem is not me. 
if there's a problem, it's going to be you. And I'm asking you, do what God saved you to do. Do what God's called you to do. There's going to be a daily proportion. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this again tomorrow night. Thursday morning, when your mom and dad picks you up and drives out that gate, the daily portion is going to be waiting for you. The devil's going to serve it up to try to get to stop what God has done in your life. Look around you tonight. Look at this. Unprecedented. Unheard of. And it's, it's because God. It's because of the Word of God. It's not my preaching or, or her preaching. It's because we did the easy part. You took it into your heart because of where you're at. You're special, man. You're special. There's something special about you. And counselors, you got your work cut out for you tonight. You take these kids back. You see where they're at. I'm going to give them back to you in just a few minutes. And you take them back tonight, tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow night and put the icing on the cake. And then we'll go home. And we'll stand therefore. Amen? Amen. You bet we will.